It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we talk about the triumphant day on Monday for the Cincinnati Bengals offense featuring Jamar Chase, who is continuing to put in the extra work, and it's showing up already in practice. Not that we really need to be breaking this down every single day, every single rep he takes in practice, but we will, because I think that Given the amount of attention that's been given to his drops, the good stuff deserves some attention too, as it's exactly what I thought it would be that we've talked about on this podcast, James. It's up and down. It's just the nature of the beast. So we'll start with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, who talked about Jamar Chase and how they're supporting him in that wide receiver room. We've got some general practice notes and then my rewatch notes from the starters as they played first team reps against the Washington football team on Friday. We'll talk about our, I should say, our rewatch notes in segment three, James. But let's start with those press conferences. Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins both spoke to the media today, and both of them essentially had generally positive things to say, confidence in Jamar Chase, and talked about how they would support him. For sure. And that, that support, it's one thing to say at a news conference with all of us, and by the way, they had to have known going into it that we were going to ask them about Jamar. And that's kind of why they wanted to, what we wanted to talk to them if Jamar wasn't going to talk. And he's scheduled to talk later this week, wasn't available on Monday. Not exactly sure why. Maybe he was getting extra time in, right? Who knows? But uh, the, the thing that stood out to me of the two is, uh, one, we've kind of speculated a little bit about the Brandon Allen stuff and catching passes from him from instead of Burrow and all that. T. Higgins kind of shut that down. And not that he was like being mean to Jamar by any stretch, but he was just kind of like, look, whoever's in there, you got to catch the ball. I worked with Brandon Allen last year. It doesn't make a difference to me. Um, but obviously he, he voiced his support of Jamar Chase. And the one thing that Boyd said that really stood out to me was that, look, he, he's going to keep getting opportunities because it was something that I, I think Paul Daner Jr. wrote and then the fantasy people picked up is like, Odd and Tate could eat into Jamar Chase's snaps and Boyd's like, no, we got him. We've told him we, we got his back and we're going to keep going to him and he's going to make plays. And the other thing that both guys said, and it, this is the crazy part, by the way, a week ago, Jamar Chase had his best practice. It was that three touchdown practice. It was that pra- I'm saying a week ago. So Monday, as we record this, it's Monday. Last Monday, he had that three touchdown practice. It was like insane, right? The Bengals posted the one video of him beating a Wouzier. And it was like, oh, man, he's turned a corner. What a difference a week makes. But my point being is that he had a couple bad days, right? And I know he's had some drops throughout camp and stuff, but a couple really bad days. Both guys, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, acknowledging, yeah, that's happened to me. Boyd talked about it uh, in, uh, I think, when he was with the Bengals, that he had a couple bad drops and, and issues in practice for a couple days. 
And then T Higgins went back to his sophomore year of college and he, same thing, had a couple of days where it was just bad drop after bad drop. And they looked themselves in the mirror and they picked themselves up and look at where they are now. And I, I just, to me, I think Jamar Chase is cut from that same cloth, whatever that is. I think he has it and, and his guys certainly backed him, uh, during the, the media session and then during practice when he made plays. Well, and it's, it's kind of crazy, right? Because you go back to LSU and even some days in camp, he's been dominant at times and at LSU was constantly dominant. There were a few games when uh, Justin Jefferson was the feature guy instead. And there were a few games that Jamar Chase made you forget Justin Jefferson was there. And Justin Jefferson just blew the NFL away, right? And so... That's something that is easy to forget when you get caught up in the daily, you know, the 24-hour news cycle of, of training camp, essentially, right? Where every single practice rep gets picked apart and every preseason rep, oh man, he had three targets, he dropped all three of them. Well, if it's a whole game, they're going to go back to Jamar Chase. Maybe he takes a couple plays off and they put Auden Tate in if it's a real full regular season game. Then they're going to put Jamar Chase back in the game they're going to get him the ball in space. They're going to run a screenplay for him. They're going to get him free on a pick or something. They're going to get the ball in his hands. They're going to let him run after the catch. It's, it's, you don't just go away from a guy who, by all accounts, according to his coaches, according to his teammates, is doing everything else right. right? And, and I think T and Tyler both said that. It's just you're overthinking at the catch point. And that's not something that will persist. That's exactly what Boyd said. And uh, it was a response to my question, so I'll take the credit. But I thought it was the best summary of it. We've asked Zach about this a couple times. We've asked all these, you know, we asked Boyd 10 questions before that about Chase or something like it. And, and at the end, he was just like, yeah, it's just the concentration at the catch point. And that's, it, it's probably that. And the thing is, is it's so easy, right, to get caught up in this media cycle. And not just media, by the way. I'm not saying like media, like news cycle. Twitter is news. Fair or foul, everybody has a voice. And, and so social media, it's real easy. For, I mean, think about it again. A week from Monday, best practice of camp, three touchdowns looked uncoverable. A week later, the whole country is like, hey, can he catch? Right? You have national shows talking about it. And, and, and before that, it was he can't get separation, drop him in fantasy <laughs> ranks. Right? Like the, the pendulum and the reactions are just insane. And this is why – when we talk about it, I always try to throw the caveat out there like, I'll, I'll worry about it in a month, right? That's what I say. I'll worry about this in a month if it's still an issue for Jamar. If this is happening in regular season games consistently when we're seeing him for for consecutive weeks, then then fine. But I'm not going to do it on preseason. I'm not going to do it on, on training camp. No matter how bad they look, you always want him to catch the ball, but he's doing the extra work. And he's supremely talented. We know he's supremely talented. And we know that his ego is not getting in the way of him improving. He continues to work with the quarterbacks during periods when the rest of the receivers are standing on the sideline watching practice during special teams, for example. And that continued on Monday as well. Just like Jackson Carmen, by the way. Credit Jackson Carmen. And I'm getting this feeling, James, not to get too far off of Jamar Chase here. And we'll get into, into today's practice in a minute. But... I'm getting the feeling that uh, Jackson Carmen is starting to turn the corner. He had a, a really nice game, I thought, in preseason game two against the Washington football team. I mean, driving guys 10 yards downfield at times in the run game, knocking guys down, finding work as a pass protector. I mean, pancakes everywhere. We talked about it in our postgame show. Looked nasty. 
And he's continuing to stay after practice to put in the extra work. When coaches have been getting on him and saying, hey, you need to be carrying yourself like a pro, and now he's putting in that extra work, it just has the, the feel of momentum starting to build for Jackson Carmen. You certainly hope so. I would like nothing more than Jackson Carmen to just show this coaching staff that he needs to be the right guard, that he is the right guard, that he can be that guy that they drafted with the 46th pick. And is he still in the hunt for that starting job? I think it's it's going to be tough for him to to make that leap. At the same time, am I going to completely rule it out and say it's impossible? No. I think it's going to be hard, but uh, the only way to get there is by putting in the work. And it's it's good to see him doing it for sure. And I'm glad you you recognize that and, and, and mentioned it because we were critical of Carmen, and I think rightfully so. So on the flip side, much like Chase, right? You want to be you want to be fair to him, and it does feel like he's trying to to put in the time that it, that takes to turn the corner, like you mentioned. Yeah, and and it will probably still be a process. I think this is a very long corner potentially for Jackson Carmen. I don't I don't know if this is going to be like, you know, uh, a quick uh, Formula One tur- turn kind of thing. This might be a forklift moving moseying its way around a warehouse kind of corner. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad analogy. But I think that the signs are there that Carmen is trending positively, not quite getting reps with the ones. And we'll talk about who continues to get reps with the ones at the guard position on Monday's practice get into some of our other practice notes coming up next. It's that time of the year, ladies and gentlemen. Football season is here, and that means you got to get to Bet Online, your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. You can get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at betonline.ag. So head to betonline.ag right now or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code locked on. That's 100% of free money with promo code locked on at betonline.ag. And also be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo where you make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, the season opener between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to 25 bucks more free money for new customers only when signing up. And for that super promo contest, make sure you use promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. James, the Bengals had their final training camp-esque practice. I know training camp is officially closed but they're continuing between Sunday and Monday's practice to kind of have training camp like practices before they get into simulating a regular season schedule for practice after their off day on Tuesday. The last training camp esque practice then after we didn't really talk about Sunday's practice for Sunday's Monday's show yesterday, the last show 
Joe Burrow threw three interceptions. One of those to Jesse Bates on a really nice play for Jermaine Pratt where he undercut a post route, forced Joe to throw the ball high. And this is Jeff Hobson's recounting of the story after talking to Jermaine Pratt on Bengals.com. And Jesse Bates is able to make a play on the ball. We didn't really talk about that. And it's kind of interesting to think about the 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 swing of the Joe Burrow narrative in the preseason as well, right? Like, oh, Joe Burrow's not comfortable. He's not stepping into throws to, oh, he's fine now. And now we're not even going to mention the fact that, oh, he threw three interceptions because that's just how training camp goes sometimes. But then the offense on Monday bounces back in a big way. And Jamar Chase bounces back in a big way. It's not just talk from T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. But Jamar Chase didn't drop a pass and added some spectacular catch work into his day on Monday. A twisting, jumping, contested, turning catch at the pylon for uh, at the end of practice and red zone drills that Jamar made. And look, it started off with a little, just a little quick um I heck, I'm trying to think of a little out. It, it was. It was actually just like a five yard out. And, and he pushes off uh, Jermaine Pratt, catches it, moves. It, not pushes off, but uh, act like he was going to block Jermaine Pratt. I think it was play action. I wasn't looking at Burrow. I was looking at Chase because all eyes were on Chase. But then after that, it was just one after another, it seemed like, where it didn't matter if it was in individual drills or team sessions. Or the extra work like with the quarterbacks, he had a nice one-handed grab. Uh, I posted a video of that on All Bengals. I know Joe Daneman tweeted out uh, one of those videos, too, uh, of that. I think we're the only two that got it. But he just looked confident. He looked comfortable, and he wasn't questioning himself. There weren't the bobbles, you know, where he catches it kind of and then has to re-catch it and reestablish his hands around the ball, and that included individual drills. And he, it just seemed like he was dialed in. It seemed like he was focused. And that's great because the one thing T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd said is you can't change the three drops against Washington. How do you respond? And I was hoping to see that response Sunday. We didn't see it. It was his fault, one of those three borough interceptions. And we saw it on Monday. So it's great because now he doesn't have to spend the off day thinking about all the drops. He could think about the good plays. And, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't get enough of that, uh, the, the twisting catch at the pylon. Look, Jamar Chase is going to be a problem for opposing defenses. He's going to make a lot of plays this year. Will he have some drops? Probably. But he's going to make a lot of plays. And I think what Monday did is it kind of – reminded him as much as anyone that he's going to be able to do that this season. And the thing is receivers drop passes, even the really good ones. AJ green at his peak at his time, drop passes, Tyler Boyd, very sure handed, really low drop rate. Sometimes drops passes. Maybe we're just getting it out of the way for Jamar. Maybe there's, you know, a few more drops to come, but the, the thing is, is drops aren't that bad. They're frustrating. And sometimes they lead to you leaving third down conversions on the field, but compared to penalties, compared to sacks, compared to busted coverages, they're actually not as harmful to your football team as, as some other things. So when you contribute at a high level, in addition to having a drop every now and then, which is probably the realistic expectation for Jamar, like he's not going to probably have a 100% catch rate. If he does, that's great, but that's very rare as well, right? And so if he has some drops, but he's also breaking off screens 
and and taking the ball deep and and adding to that deep threat that we expected him to when the Bengals drafted him, then he's doing his job. And speaking of the deep ball, James, we talked a lot about the the deepest pass we've seen or we saw in training camp, training camp now officially over. And there was another great deep pass in this practice that you and I talked about. You tried to paint the picture for me because it was a non-video portion of the practice, of course, when all these exciting plays happen. But it sounds like T. Higgins on a post split the safeties and a too high coverage of some sort. And it was a, a perfect ball and it was a 55 yard touchdown that it sounded like the ball was, what, 40 yards in the air or so? At least. Yeah, it was tough. I initially tweeted 40, like a 40 yard touchdown. And it's because we were on the far side of the field and it, you just don't know yard wise where they're even at, where the line of scrimmage actually is. So it was tough. Dan Horta had the better angle and he tweeted 55 yards. So I would imagine it was closer to, to 50 yards in the air because T didn't run. He didn't have to run much after the catch. So really nice play. And this is kind of a blueprint for what I expect to see from the Bengals this year because Chase was running a comeback and he had a woozy eye on him, but he got the attention of the safety. He got Von Bell's attention. Bell came up and Higgins ran past him. And it it was one of those things where they kind of made Bell pick one lane or the other and he came up and and Higgins went deep and Burrell launched it. And uh, it was just a, a really nice play overall, the best deep ball we've seen. And, uh, and, and Higgins brought it down in the first one to one of these wide receivers and team drills that was completed. So certainly a step in the right direction. And that was toward, towards the early part of practice, you know, before Jamar really got going and stuff like that. So it was good to see. And the Bengals did use T. Higgins in this capacity in 2020 as well, several times, uh, specifically actually against the Washington football team. They weren't all completed passes. In fact, there were a couple poorly thrown balls from Burrow in that game or one route maybe that that T didn't quite run exactly the way they wanted it run where they ended up missing their milestones but this this route concept of of the the post to beat too high is is very common right it tells you middle of field open you try to occupy one of those safeties and and try to get a guy behind or inside the other one and it sounds like that was executed well on this play I, I personally find these route concepts to be really pretty. And so I'm excited to see some more use of that. If we see more use of that this year, I know, you know, it, it's a concept that every NFL team runs. I'm sure we'll see that at times this year. Speaking of observations, James, I think that's probably a good summary of today's practice. Sounds like it was a really good day for the offense. Tyler Boyd also had a few nice catches. Let's not leave him out. All three wide receivers did well. Anything else you want to mention before we move on and talk about our rewatch? Chris Evans, Captain America, my man. A nice over the shoulder. I'm sure you saw it. Joe Daneman had video of this. What a play. This dude can ball, man. He's, He's a player. Not many running backs make that catch. I noticed you described him in your all Bengals practice recap today as a roster lock, James. Yeah, I think he is. Are you cutting him? I'm not. He's he's a lock in my book. So there's a tease for our 53 man later this week. Chris Evans is going to be on it. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit different if Travion Williams is playing the entire preseason and is playing well, but you've seen Chris Evans and I think he's mostly played well and it certainly showed that he has the athleticism and the aptitude to improve some of the decision-making and definitely looks like he belongs on an NFL roster. Let's revisit the starters 
they played against the Washington football team for three drives each and, and got a little bit of run with the twos against the ones. Don't have those observations today, but we'll talk about what the starters did in preseason game two upon rewatch coming up next. This episode brought to you by Rock Auto and rockauto.com. Now is the time to make those little changes, little tweaks to your motor vehicle because the weather's nice. It might be a little hot. Jamar Chase wore a damn hoodie during practice in the 90-degree weather on Monday. So you can get out there and, and do the regular maintenance, routine maintenance on your car, and Rock Auto is here to help. In fact, my wife's Honda Civic. It needs new filters. Guess where I'm going to go? Not to the dealer. No, no, no. They, they're the ones who recommended it, by the way. No, not there. I'm going to rockauto.com, and I'm going to get her some filters, and I'm going to install them myself, and I'm going to save a ton of money doing so. So check them out. It could be something as simple as filters, like I mentioned, or something as serious as a fuel pump, anything in between at rockauto.com. You're going to save time. You're going to save money. So go there right now, rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Love a good rock auto tune-up, and the Bengals will be getting their final tune-up of the preseason on Sunday, but let's go back in time. Let's go back to Friday, James. I had a chance to rewatch the starters, and I'm sure you've also done your due diligence and, and rewatched parts of the game that were interesting to you, and for me, there were a few things that really stood out when I watched this game again. First, we didn't give DJ Reader enough credit the first time around he had that great fourth down stop but he was generally unstoppable this entire game and Brandon Scherf was playing he had some reps against Brandon Scherf he also beat a bunch of other guys on the Washington football team defensive line but as I was going through the first series I'm taking notes on what happened on each play first play DJ Reader nice bull rush second play DJ Reader, good job getting down the line of scrimmage to make a tackle on the toss crack where it was a positive play for Washington, but DJ Reader from his center of the defense position gets all the way to the sideline and is in on the tackle. He doesn't let Brandon Scherf get to him in time on this toss crack. I think just a couple plays later, oh, look, another DJ Reader pass rush win, collapsing the pocket. Oh, look, another DJ Reader stack and shed making a, a stop on fourth down. DJ Reader, by my count, won 90% of his reps, was incredibly impressive. I wrote later that I thought he was the best defensive starter on the field in this game, in which a number of the starting defensive players played well, holding the Washington offense to zero points. It would be huge if you're getting this DJ Reader the whole time. And I got to admit to you, as you broke that down, I started to think back to different plays and you're right we didn't give him enough due diligence and you know what the problem with the the preseason is is by the end of it 
it's hard to remember exactly what happened in that first quarter, right? When those starters are in and they're playing big and, and you know, you take notes and you, you're writing things down and stuff like that, but some stuff slips through the cracks. So yeah, outside of the fourth down, I didn't have DJ readers name mentioned much, but to me, this is a sign that not only is he fully recovered, uh, but you, you describing that kind of jogged my memory. And last week there was a play within, I would say a second of in 11s where reader was like, face to face with Joe Burrow <laughs> and he stopped. But I was like, Oh my, it was like the first play of 11s. And I was getting in like in position because the way the players stand, usually you have to get to one side of the field or the other. And I, just so you could see more. And I'm like, Oh my God, reader ended that play pretty quick. And, and Burrow didn't even like throw it to anyone. It was just blown dead. So yeah, maybe he's, you know, unlocked and ready to unleash and be the guy that they, you know, brought him in to be and he showed signs of that last year obviously before the injury but you just never know how he's going to be afterwards and especially after you lose joseph osai potentially for the season you need as many potential defensive linemen and i get he's an interior lineman but still you need those guys to be able to win and uh reader did a lot of it on on friday night yeah it was still joe and i when the bengals signed dj reader this was before mm-hmm. you returned to the podcast and one of the reasons that we liked the move and liked them spending money on a nose tackle was DJ Reader wasn't just a run stuffer. Like he he was actually pretty good rushing the passer for Houston before he came to Cincinnati. And he wasn't actually playing a lot of nose for Houston. He was playing a lot of three, a lot of five tech. He was lined up between the, the guard and tackle at times, over the tackle at times. And so he, he was kind of lining up in different places and was contributing as a pass rusher. They didn't use him in their pass rush package. And you see the Bengals, he's not on the field for them when they go light, when it's a clear passing situation. They're, they're putting Larry Ogunjobi and Cam Sample out there on the inside. And maybe it's Sam Hubbard and they move guys around a little bit, especially if Darius Hodge gets out there with, uh, with Trey Hendrickson at some point. We'll keep an eye on that in preseason game three. But DJ Reader, if he can provide that pass rush, it's so sorely needed. They, they need that interior push, and they didn't have it last year. So if he can do it and, and Ogunjobi can give you a little bit of it, that is good. And I, I, I think he's on an absolute warpath. I thought he played an amazing game. Just looking at my notes from the second drive, and again, and, uh, he, he gets pressure on that deep shot to Terry McLaurin. You, you remember the play that Cheeto erased McLaurin. Well, maybe the reason that that throw is in a place where Cheeto's able to make a play on it is because DJ's in Ryan Fitzpatrick's face as the ball comes out. Very next play, DJ Reader and Josh Tupo run a little twist on the inside of a five-man front, a two-tackle twist, and DJ Reader just blows the guys back into the quarterback's lap to make a path for Tupo. I mean, this is what I mean when I say every rep. He's bullying guys on the Washington offensive line. Maybe it was just a matchup. Maybe Washington didn't have a starter in there that I thought they did, but very, very impressed with DJ Reader. That was one of my big takeaways from watching this defense again. Uh, Really excited to see what he does this year. But let's talk about the offense a little bit because I, I actually, I know there was a holding penalty. We talked about that one again, but the tackles, are what really stood out to me, the starting tackles on mm-hmm. rewatch. Jonah and and Riley Reef, the Bengals were comfortable consistently leaving them on islands. And yep. that's so important. There were a number of plays that I think last year, this coaching staff wouldn't have had the confidence to call 
because it required leaving both tackles on islands. And there's one play that go play action. I think it was the, the dig to T Higgins, the in route that they convert a first down and they go play action. I think it's play action insert. Uzama uh, kind of loops back and releases in the middle. My favorite run play from last year. They run a play action version of it. And Riley Reef is on an island with Montez Sweat. And Sweat gets under him a little bit. But if it's Bobby Hart, I'm, I can see very vividly in my head, Bobby Hart is on his butt immediately. But Reef re-anchors and does enough. He, get, he gives ground, but he does enough against a really good pass rusher in Montez Sweat. And Chase Young didn't do anything the whole game. And that includes, by the way, against Isaiah Prince although they did very much hide the second-team offensive line while the uh, first-team defensive line was still in for Washington. So, you know, don't get too high on Isaiah Prince there. But Jonah and Riley Reef, I thought, both very impressive and, you know, maybe not the best tackle tandem in the league, but at least very good. And being able to leave both tackles on islands like that, having the confidence to let them go one-on-one when you need to can make a big, big difference. For sure. I mean, they haven't been able to do that in how long, honestly. I mean, it's it's been such a long time. 2016, I guess, would be the the time. But even then, uh, if I'm thinking right, right tackle, was that an issue? That I, I don't know. I just know Whitworth was still here in 2016, so you weren't worried about him. But your, your point's a good one, and I think Jonah, man, he might end up being really, really good. I mean, there's a chance. Now, he because he flashed it a little bit last year against Chase Young, I thought. And then this year you know, does it again and, and plays really well and plays on an island. And not many people, like you said, are doing that. And this is a guy now, he's only got 10 games under his belt. I'm not saying he's a rookie, but you might see a lot of development from him now. He's got this uh, really good offensive line coach, right? He's gained a little bit of weight. He's already known for his technique and his hand placement and that's all that stuff, right? He's good at that stuff. He might take a leap. And if he does, what a luxury it would be to have the franchise left tackle. The Bengals clearly believe in him, and uh, and I get it. I understand why. I see that vision for sure. I, I question some of the moves they made or didn't make as far as the offensive line goes this season or this offseason, but uh, standing behind Jonah Williams, I understood it then, and I certainly understand it now. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've remained high on Jonah Williams. He just has to stay healthy, mm-hmm. and there's no reason to believe he won't. People, are, people like to say he's been injured a lot, but – to, to me, there's nothing chronic there. Injuries do happen. They're, they're freak things most of the time. I don't think there's anything chronic to worry about with Jonah. A couple other things to touch on real quick, James. One thing that I really liked that kind of went away after the first team offense went out was a lot of motion at the snap. We saw, I believe, Boyd in motion at the snap twice, and I think Jamar Chase in motion at the snap once. I think they're setting up a lot of running plays in the preseason off of that motion, but eventually you get the, the more you work that in you, you can try to hold a defender that way you can try to get a guy misreading a key because you have motion going away from the play side you might see them start to do some of the things that you're starting to see in some of these wide zone offenses where instead of going opposite direction of the play they they run behind the jet motion so they go jet motion and then they run the play in the same direction to keep the defense honest because a lot of times i'll see that that jet motion coming this way the runs going this way and they, they know where the run is going. So we'll see how they build off of that. I think we saw one play action look off of that as well. Really like the play action insert as well. That was a staple of the running game last year. So seeing that concept worked in on the offensive side was really encouraging. And also, 
I don't know if this means anything, but there was one play when Jamar Chase came off the field with the ones and Stanley Morgan actually got a rep with the ones. It was a running play. I, I, again, I don't know if this means anything, but I do find it interesting that Stanley Morgan got one rep with the ones. And on the defensive side, the last thing I wanted to talk about was Jordan Evans appears to be the first team nickel linebacker right now, uh, along with Logan Wilson. I found that to be quite interesting as well. Throughout the Washington football team game with the ones in, it was Jordan Evans and Logan Wilson, not Jermaine Pratt. And when they were on the field, Lou Anaruma was really enjoying mugging or sugaring those A-gaps the way we used to see Mike Zimmer do it in Cincinnati, walking both of those linebackers down between the centers and the guards. So they dropped into coverage, I think, the two or three times I saw it. But that's an interesting look to see how it, get, it continues to be implemented and what kind of blitzes they build off it. So those were the big notes for me, James. Anything stand out that you want to get a quick word in on before we wrap up? Yeah, we didn't mention it the other night. Did we? Did we mention Evan McPherson from 50? Oh, no. So good. I, I, yeah, I think we forgot. I think we forgot. The competition is over, baby. Evan McPherson, Money Mick, draft him in your fantasy leagues. Draft him in your fantasy leagues because he's money, baby. That's what I would do. I, I would wait on a kicker. All these idiots are drafting these other kickers. The Bengals are going to score points, and they got a field goal kicker who can kick from 50-plus. So guess who's going to be in, in like all my fantasy leagues? Money Mick. You know, uh, just like the real NFL draft and fantasy drafts, I also don't draft kickers. I'll figure it out between the end of the draft and week one. But, hey, I'll give all the credit in the world to Evan McPherson. Looks like an absolute stud of a kicker. Excited for him to be the Cincinnati Bengals kicker. And even if they use a draft pick on him, it looks like he's going to be an asset for this team. And, and I will try not to make too many arguments about what they could have done with that pick instead of making a kicker because I'm happy. I'm happy that they've got Evan McPherson. The kid has oh a cannon for a leg. He's great. You are just so... What? Uh, nothing. I, I'm, saying, I'm saying good things. I'm saying it's great. I'm saying it's good. Yeah, in your way. Good things in your way. Your special way. Your, your special <laughs> kicker way. With, with all these asterisks next no, to there's it. No oh, asterisks. I'm not going to look at who else they could have no, gotten. I'm saying I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly saying I'm not going to bring it up again. It's good. It's good. They have a kicker. It looks like he's going to be a kicker for a long time. I'm excited for Evan McPherson, and I'm excited for the Bengals to get a sixth or fifth round pick when they eventually trade Austin Cyber to one of the three or four very needy teams between the Minnesota Vikings and New Orleans Saints. The Browns just put Cody Parkey uh, on the IR or something. I don't know. And I, there's, there's one other team. I can't remember who it is. There's four teams though that need a kicker and teams are apparently calling about the giants backup kicker and Evan cyber has been pretty good as well. So I hope they manage to get that done. Austin cyber. what I say? Evan again, Austin cyber. Yeah. Evan McPherson. You're or just calling money. Mick money, no. Mick to you. He's no. money. Mick to you. Money. I'm trying to make money. Mick a thing. James. It's not. Money Mick is a thing, baby. Mick Pearson. Okay. Money we'll, we'll, Mick. We'll take a poll. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Tomorrow on Tuesday, James and Money I get Mick. into our 53-man look. The Bengals are going to have to make some pretty challenging decisions, I think, because, well, they have a couple of guys they have to get onto the 53 to IR them. We'll get into our 53-man projections and where those decisions are next time. Until then, Bengals fans, who day? Have a good one. 
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.